When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. What, what, what has happened to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Greeny is a part of the Get Up First Take crossover. He popped in with us for a little bit last hour. He should be doing the same a little bit later this hour as well. You can check out the crossover on ESPN as we speak. And Canty, the flip side of the Jet win yesterday to go to 4-2, and two, their third straight win is the Green Bay Packers, who right now are just, they're tough to watch. They cannot stop the run to save their lives. And offensively, they just look completely lost in, in so many different ways. And I want to hear some from Aaron Rodgers, first of all, in his frustration with what is going on right now. Nobody works harder than Matt on the plan each week, and nobody comes with better ideas than him and his staff. Um, but if it's not working, um, it's not because those guys aren't grinding. It's because we're not executing. And uh, if we think we have the right players, then we need to simplify things. If you don't, then that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, see, he's... He's kind of trying to straddle that fence there uh, of if you guys think this is what we need, oh, okay, but we got to change some things up. But if not, which he clearly does not believe they have the right players, then we got to do something else about it. So, Canty will follow up those comments with Rogers uh, speaking about the trade deadline and Brian Gutekunst. Brian, I've had uh, uh, a number of conversations. I trust him and his staff. Uh, if they feel like they need to add, that they will. I think there's enough on this team to be a successful team. Uh, there's the possibility if certain guys emerge of us having a chance to make a run. I know Brian believes the same thing. Uh, but if there's an opportunity, uh, I would expect that Brian will be in the mix. Let me just translate real quick. These receivers stink. Go get me somebody. Fair? <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's fair, but also this Packers team is struggling up front on offense. Like their their offensive line is giving up a lot, a lot of penetration. They're, they're allowing a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and they're not reestablishing a lot of scrimmage in the run game, Carlin. That's why you saw the Green Bay Packers drop back to throw it fifty times yesterday. That's what I don't that's understand. That's not the formula for Matt LaFleur led offenses. They're gonna use the running game as their their primary focus, and then they're going to take shots downfield with play action, and that's not the case. I mean, you ran the ball 20 times yesterday between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. That's not enough. Like, you have to have more volume in the run game, and Carlin, sometimes with the run game, it's not about the yardage that you're getting, but it's about the attempts in order to present the threat to the defense, 
in order to create one-on-ones on the outside for those young receivers. And they're just not doing that consistently enough for Aaron Rodgers to, to get the big plays, the explosives that they're looking for on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know when that's going to come. I, I just don't know when that's going to happen. We keep waiting for these young guys to get the requisite experience they need to become productive players, and it just hasn't happened yet. And now it feels like the season is starting to get away from the Green Bay Packers. How is it possible that through six games this season, Aaron Jones, who is averaging six yards a carry, can't he, has 70 carries for the year. That's barely over 10 per game so far, and yesterday carried it nine times. I, I don't – that game was not a blowout by any stretch. No. You, and that's where I do not understand to save my life as to how they can get in a situation – where they're going to rely on a quarterback who, by the way, had a bad thumb that he aggravated earlier in the game and clearly was nowhere near his normal self. You're seeing Aaron Rodgers miss badly by underthrowing some balls that, you know, you've, you frankly haven't seen since his first year or two when he was playing in the league. It's mind-boggling to me that they got away from it so easily. And I know, no, it, it's, I know it's the offensive line, Canty, but... It, you still have to find a way to do it because of what you just said. The attempts sometimes matter more. No, you're, you're right about that, Colin. And you would think with the weather being the way it was, especially early on in the game, it was essentially a monsoon out there, that they would focus more on the running game than the passing game. But here's the thing, Carlin. The one turnover they had, it was in the run game, and that was on Aaron Rodgers not putting the ball in the belly of A.J. Dillon. Those types of miscues can't happen. You can talk about the coaching staff, you can talk about the personnel, but you also have to acknowledge the things that you need to do better, the things that you need to improve with, the things that you need to execute in order for this team to have a shot at being able to realize the expectations that they had coming into this year. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been great. This ain't the same guy that we've seen have back-to-back MVP seasons. There's There's been a little bit of a an issue going on with him this season. I don't know how much of that is Devontae Adams, but... Aaron Rodgers certainly has to be better in games as well. That's why they're paying him $50 million a year. And I would agree with him on one point, Carlin, that if there's an opportunity that presents itself at the trade deadline or later down the season to add to that offense, that they would take advantage of it because this team is about trying to compete for championships while you have Aaron Rodgers in the twilight of his career. This ain't a rebuilding year. There are no more rebuilding years for the Packers with Rodgers as the starting quarterback. They got to get something done, but Carlin – they seem so far away from being a true championship contender right now. Okay, Canty, with that in mind, as we're looking at the Packers trying to get better, the Rams have fallen off. And I, it doesn't make much sense to me for Odell Beckham to go rejoin the Rams. And there are a couple of places where he could go. But this is the one place where he would make a massive difference immediately for a football team and granted he won't be ready till November and the Packers have to still be around and really capable of making a run in November mm-hmm. uh, and and still have enough you know they're not in too deep of a hole to climb out of at that point yeah but does that solve the problem or is it a good enough tourniquet for the problem well, we don't know when Odell is going to be ready. 
and that's the that's the biggest thing. Well, like, I mean, all right, let's speculate then. Let's say Thanksgiving, if that's a fair time. Well, well, here's the thing, Carlin. The season could be over by Thanksgiving. Yeah. The season could be over. I mean, think about it. Their next six games, four of them are teams that we expect to see in the playoffs, right? They're, they're on the road against the Commanders, the Bills, and the Lions. So the next three games are all on the road. Then they've got the Dallas Cowboys, the Tennessee Titans at home, and then on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's, that's through Thanksgiving. I mean, you could be talking about their season being over with. You could, I could see a world where they lose four out of those six games. As a matter of fact, if you probably look at the futures, they're probably only favored in two of the next six games that they're going to play. <laughs> that, that's, that's the state of the Green Bay Packers. And Jair Alexander said it after they lost to the New York Giants. I'm not worried now, but I'll be worried after they, if we lose to the Jets. Well, Jair, hate to break it to you, but now's the time for you to be worried. I don't know how Green Bay gets this thing back on track without adding to it, Carlin. And even if they did add to it, I'm not sure that it's going to be enough. Well, Canty, listen to this statistic because this is this is crazy. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are both off to absolutely terrible starts this year. For Aaron Rodgers, through the first six games of a season in his career, he has the worst QBR, the worst team point per game, and the worst, tied for the worst record through six games. Think about that for a moment. I mean, that is, since 2008, while the Baltimore have been playing, same thing goes for Brady, but more pertinent to the conversation is Rodgers at this point, and... There does not seem to be any interest on Aaron Rodgers' part to remotely look in the mirror and figure out what he can do better. This speaks to Aaron Rodgers in general to me. He understands, at least maybe he does, that Devontae Adams went somewhere else because he didn't want to be around Aaron Rodgers anymore. Mm. Because... He turned down more money with the Packers to go, and we could talk about being closer home and all that stuff. He felt his chances were better with Derek Carr than with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is playing terribly right now. At what point does Aaron Rodgers stop talking about the trade deadline and stop talking about simplifying things and start talking about getting better himself? I don't know when that happens, Carlin. I I don't. Um, you would you would like to see that happen sooner than later to set a te- set a tone for the team to help set the agenda, but but I mean we've seen it from Aaron Rodgers. He's he's not going to point the finger of, at himself. He he's going to look at everything else around him as being the thing that's holding the team back from being competitive. He'll never look at it as it's him that needs to 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 work on some things, or it's him that needs to improve. And that's that's a part of the issue that the Green Bay Packers run into, especially when it comes to playing against quality competition in the postseason. So without getting too far into the psychology of it all, Carlin, everything in Green Bay has to be better. And that includes the quarterback that won back-to-back MVPs. And until everybody in that building acknowledges that, you're going to continue to get the mediocre results. Now, do I still expect the Packers to be a part of the playoff picture sitting here today? Yes, I do. Do I expect the Packers to contend for a championship? No, I don't. 
Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, and you can watch and listen on the ESPN app, not to mention, by the way, Sirius XM Channel 80. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits, go to Progressive.com slash careers. Apply online today. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Well, just moments ago, we discussed how the New York Giants have completely changed their story this year. But what we saw last night between the Cowboys and the Eagles might have completely changed the dynamic in the NFC East, and we'll explain how the Giants are involved there as well. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Well, the Eagles are clearly the best team in the NFL. And, it, I mean, we can talk about the Buffalo Bills, but the Eagles have played better than everyone else altogether, and they are the only undefeated team left. And the Cowboys went into Philadelphia last night with Cooper Rush, and any thought that you had that there would be any kind of quarterback controversy in Dallas ended, well, I would say probably about by halftime. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We're in for Greeny. He will join us uh, throughout the course of the show, uh, as he has already. Greeny is a part of the First Take uh, crossover with Get Up. So he is over on First Take right now on ESPN. Uh, Canty, listen, the Eagles took care of business against a, a Cowboys team that Came back down 20 to nothing, and I give them credit for making it a game of 20 to 17. But what really gave me um, exceptionally uh, impressed feelings with the Eagles was their ability at 20 to 17 
to put together a 13-play drive to ice that game. But Carlin, isn't what they isn't that what they always do? Yeah, I mean, that's what we saw against the Arizona Cardinals in the fourth quarter last week. They put together a 17-play, 70-yard drive that ate up eight minutes a clock. This week it was a 13-play, 75-yard drive that ate up seven and a half minutes a clock. Mm-hmm. This is what the Philadelphia Eagles do, and it's a credit to Nick Sirianni, their head coach. Once they jump out to these big leads, they have the running game and the offensive line to be able to close it out, to grind this thing to a halt, and and chew up the clock and close and, and win games. And so that to me is the impressive trait with the Philadelphia Eagles. They can do it a lot of different ways. They can beat you over the top with the passing game. They can play the possession game, and they can play the run game. But all of those things, they rely on the physicality of that offensive line, which took a hit, by the way, because Lane Johnson left that game, and Driscoll came in. And here's the thing, Carlin, the offense did not skip a beat. They had a game plan on how they were going to neutralize Micah Parsons, making him the guy that they try to read off of and making sure everybody else was blocked up. They executed that pretty damn well, both in the run game and the passing game. A.J. Brown, the guy that you paid $100 million to, stepped up in a big way, Carlin. He had five catches for 67 yards, and he had that touchdown at the end to really put things, to really ice things off. So credit to this entire team. They, they played really, really well. The defense for the Eagles outplayed the defense for the Cowboys, and to me, that ultimately was the difference in the game. I totally agree. I didn't think the Cowboys' defense did a terribly good job, and the Eagles ran the football effectively enough. I thought that they would – be a little bit more uh, productive in the run game. I mean, I think they averaged three and a half yards a carry. But again, it wasn't even necessarily about the amount of produ- production, Canty. It was about the attempts. And if I'm correct, I believe they ran it 34 times last night. No, the Eagles ran it 39 times. 39 times. Well, there 39 you go. 39 times. And here's the thing, Carlin. Any time your offense can give you 50 runs plus completions, mm-hmm. you're in pretty pretty good shape. Last night, the Philadelphia Eagles, 54 runs plus completions. That, 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 wow. that tells the story of the game for me because they controlled the complexion of the game from the opening kick. Now, the Cowboys had their moments, especially early on in the second half, and I will give them credit for that. But ultimately, there was never a point where I felt like the Philadelphia Eagles were out of control of the game, and that's the sign of a good team. Can we start to talk about it a little bit? At 6-0, and can we start to talk about it when the Steelers are in front of them at home, uh, and that is following the bye week, then the Texans on the road, Commanders at the Colts, Packers, Titans, before you get to a road game at the Giants. Can we start to talk about it a little bit? <laughs> It's a little early to start to talk about it, but you know we, we, we brought it up in passing a couple of weeks ago. You did, and I give you credit for that, and that's why I'm bringing it up now it's, because it's I not, scoffed at you. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. <laughs> it just isn't, man. It just isn't. I mean, listen, you're, now you're going to have a much tougher time the next time you play the Dallas Cowboys because they'll figure to have Dak Prescott back in the lineup. I mean, you got those two dates with the New York Giants, but but Carlin, I mean, outside of those games, is there anybody on that schedule that scares you? If you're the no. Philadelphia Eagles, no, there's I mean, nobody. There's nobody that scares you. So it, I just, based on how this team plays, how they, they got the dominate Bears, in the, the Saints, oh Carlin, this this team dominates in the second quarter. By the way, they they yes. showed the stat on the broadcast last night. I mean, their point differential in the second quarter of games 
it is the greatest in NFL history through six games. <laughs> it's incredible what this team does in terms of how they put their foot on the gas once they get off script, what they're able to do. And then, Carlin, once they get out to the big league, they've got the defense, they've got the run game to close out games. That's probably the most impressive part. And we got to start giving credit to the secondary of this Philadelphia Eagles team, too. They, they have a damn good secondary led by James Bradbury and Darius Slay. And those guys showed up in a big way last night. Twelve passes defended last night for the Philadelphia Eagles defense. I that wanna, is incredible, Carlin. Canty, I want to bring in uh, our members of the hashtag crew right now because each of them uh, that are here today are fans of two other teams in the NFC East. The Cowboys with Bubba, as we know. And, of course, Nuno with the New York Giants. And, first of all, Nuno is flying high with the fact that the Giants are 5-1 and one right now. But when I mention the mere idea and you look at the schedule, Nuno, and the thought can't help but be there that the Philadelphia Eagles could go undefeated, are you sick to your stomach? I mean, it's not, it's not good, Bob. It's not good. Um, no, and we're just arguing off here because Cam, who's with us on Mondays, uh, no tag Cam. Uh, um, he's a huge. I had a tag once. He, he's an Eagles fan. So, and he's like, stop it. Stop talking about this. You look at their schedule. They should be 9-0 and before they get to that Colts game. And depending on how Matt Ryan is playing and if Jonathan Taylor's back, that, that could be a tough game. I don't like. I don't know, Canty. Is there at some point in time as while you want to win all these games, you want to face some adversity to see how you react? No. No, I don't <laughs> want to face I want. I want to win as many games. You think the 2007 Patriots are like, we need to lose a game to face some adversity? <laughs> Hell no. They're like, let's, let's rattle off these wins and no, try but, to give ourselves a chance to win a chip. But you would think they would be smarter, right? Because what happened? That game was a launch in that end of year game to the Giants was a launching pad for the Giants. Tom Brady should have known better when Plexico was like, oh, they're only scoring like 17 points or whatever he had said that they were going to score. And he tried mm-hmm. to laugh it off. Like so he should have known. He should have been smarter. I hear what you're saying, Nuno. That sounds good, but you want to, the, the, you, you play to win the game. Ain't that what Herman would say once upon a time? You play to win the damn game. Like, you're trying to win as many games as you can. And if you're the Eagles, you want to try to get that first round by. And you want to have home field advantage throughout. Think about how big home field was when they went to the Super Bowl and won it last time. They did it with their backup quarterback, Nick Foles. If those games are on the road and not at the link, you could be talking about a different result. So, no, I, I think the Eagles keep their foot on the gas. And this, there's, there's no one in that building that's thinking we need to lose a game. We need to have more adversity somewhere along the line just so we're more battle-tested going into the playoffs. Trust me, they're going to play a lot of nail-biting games. They're going to play some close games. Even though I think they do have an opportunity to go undefeated, I don't expect that they will. All I'm simply saying is they got a shot. And in order to, for them to do that, they'll play enough close games where they will be battle-tested by the time we get to the postseason. Bubba, in a shocking development, Nuno has cut into your airtime. You have 30 seconds to relay your thoughts, comments, hopes, dreams off of what happened last night. You play to win the game. I mean, first of all, the Eagles are not going undefeated. It's just an absurd discussion. <laughs> so, I mean, ridiculous. It's not, although their, their schedule is quite easy. I'll grant you that. Mm. They're not going undefeated. That being said, Cowboys, great job, Cooper. Dak's back. Let's do it. 
Cam, real quick, as oh, an Eagles God. fan right now, we're we talking about the possibility of the Eagles going undefeated when you look at their schedule as early as it is. How nervous are you when I even broach the topic, Cam? Yeah, I mean, on paper, it's possible, but there's still four division games left. Those can go any which way. I don't care what, what kind of team you're playing. Um, there, there's The Packers are in there. The Steelers are in there, and they, they just had a big win. I, I think there's a 0% chance they go undefeated. Uh, Eagles 6-0, and Phillies in the NLCS, Flyers are 2-0, and Sickers starting soon. Okay, we didn't ask about any of that. Greeny, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> they have absolutely no chance of going 17-0. and um, That doesn't mean they aren't the best team in the NFL, and right now they certainly look like it. And the schedule we knew before the season began set up favorably. I said before the season started they were going to start 7-2. and Obviously, they've started faster than I expected or most people expected, and they do have extremely winnable games coming up. Now, the Packers, I think, are not nearly as good as anyone expected them to be. I could see them – look – they probably drop one before Christmas Eve. But it certainly would be fascinating if they were unbeaten going into Dallas playing the Cowboys again on Christmas Eve. Um, I don't expect it. They'll, they will lose a game somewhere along the line because NFL teams generally do. And they have, they have let teams stick around in games that shouldn't. I mean, Arizona... They have not people out. The, Kyler Murray slides a yard short of a first down. Otherwise, the Cardinals may wind up beating them in that game. Their schedule is extraordinarily favorable, but give them credit. They are taking advantage of the opportunity. So, if the specific question is, do they finish unbeaten? The answer is definitely no. Do they finish with the one seed in the NFC? I think the answer is yes. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. Greeny is with us. He has popped in after being part of the Get Up First Take crossover on ESPN taking place. We have to get to the Bills and the Chiefs up next. And if that game finally, finally put the Bills in a position where they believe they can beat the Chiefs in the postseason. We will get to that in just moments, plus the other sneaky big games from the weekend. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tremendous game in Knoxville between Tennessee and Alabama. Canty, you called it that Tennessee would find a way to win that game. I I was blown away by the pass interference call that wiped out what would have been uh, the interception for Alabama at the end of that game that basically would have iced it. I could not believe they made that call. Uh, But instead, Tennessee comes away with a huge win, and man, Hendon Hooker is something to behold. No question about it. And in the second half, it was the Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt show, right? You're talking about those two bombs that ended up bringing Tennessee back and putting them in position to to push that game into into a a situation where you're talking about you know having to be decided at the at the last whistle. So it's just it's one of those games, man, Carlin. We knew it was going to be hard fought, even though Tennessee got out to a fast start, scoring touchdowns and for their first five possessions. 
Like, we knew that it was going to be a situation where Alabama was going to be able to make plays in the second half. They did. But credit to Tennessee. They stepped up and did what they needed to do in the critical moments, and they got a big W. I feel like I may invite the referee to my home for Thanksgiving. I know him so well. (laughs) Having watched that game, he was on TV more than Saban was. Um, Look, Nick Saban coaches a team that committed 17 penalties in a game against a top, an unbeaten top 10 opponent on the road. It's almost impossible to win that way. I emerged more impressed from that game with Bryce Young than I was even before. I thought he yeah. was spectacular. Single-handedly kept them in that game. Um, and I still think Alabama has an excellent chance to wind up in the playoff. By now, that's long. Everyone is well aware that was on the other side of the bracket. For Tennessee, that's obviously the kind of win that you remember for the rest of your life, and I think it's the beginning of something. That coach is special. The quarterback, as you point out, is special. Um, Tennessee is not going to be an easy out, and I'm I'm looking forward to what happens when they run into Georgia. So Hendon Hooker has now improved from 10-1 to before the game to win the Heisman on Caesar Sportsbook, all the way up to plus 450. So basically, four and a half to one. Now he is the second choice behind C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young is all the way down at 20 to 1. Right now. They're not going to give it to him. They not so don't want to give it to someone two years in yeah. a row. And, and, and he, I mean, the way he has played this season and with the injury, he's, he doesn't deserve the award. Uh, Hooker, I think, has an excellent chance to win it. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, the, the, there are still the biggest games that are yet to come, but that was the best Saturday of the season so far by far. Yeah, it was an entertaining game in every way. And listen, a terrific win for Tennessee when they had not beaten them in 15 consecutive opportunities. And so there's not a whole lot of people that cry besides Alabama fans when Bama loses as it is. It's Greeny coming to you live from the Seaport District, Pier 17, brought to you by Chase, Canty, and Carlin in for Greeny. Although Greeny is here with us right now, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Greeny has been part of the first take uh, crossover with Get Up all morning long, and we were just a moment ago talking about the Tennessee-Alabama game, and also that they tore down the goalposts in Tennessee and threw them in the river. That's a group of pretty good fans brought to you by the best fan of the month is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. They actually tore down the goalposts and threw them in the river. And apparently they did the same at Northwestern. Yeah, we we used to do what's called Lake the Posts. And there's a a website that is dedicated to Northwestern sports called Lake the Posts, where we would tear down the goalposts and then carry them to Lake Michigan, which is just a few blocks away from our stadium uh, in Evanston, Illinois, and throw the goalposts in the lake. We didn't have enough opportunity to do that for my taste when I was in school. And (laughs) we don't do that anymore. And and I think if we had beaten Ohio State, well, whatever, let's not go over it again. If we had beaten Ohio State that one night on a Saturday night on ABC when game day was there, then I think we would have torn down the goalposts and thrown them in the lake but so this this is uh it's a tradition that i like and that game saturday night in in tennessee was spectacular in, in every conceivable way but as i said before the rest of the country joined us i'm thinking i know the referee now so well from that game from having seen him so much on television i'm thinking of inviting him to thanksgiving 17 penalties against alabama Un- absolutely unbelievable unfathomable really but they have had troubles with it this season meanwhile let's get to some of the other games that we have not gotten to amazingly we have not spent much time so far on the bills and chiefs yesterday now canty and i were talking last week about the idea that 
if Buffalo won this game, it was not going to do very much in terms of their uh, thought process moving forward if they were have to if they would have to go on the road again and play in Kansas City in the postseason. It doesn't matter until they can actually win in Kansas City. And Canty, I'll say I completely disagree after seeing that game because right now the Bills have something that they did not have last year, and that is a closer with Von Miller. And, and Von Miller is the biggest difference between the Bills this year and last year, and he will help you close out a game in Kansas City. Yeah, there's no question about it, Carlin. I mean, you saw it on that interception that Pat Mahomes threw with a minute to go. That was forced by Von Miller. The guy makes an inside move. He beats a double team, forces Mahomes out of the pocket. I thought that Leslie Frazier did a great job with Matt Milano being the spy in that situation to wrap around and put pressure on Mahomes and he doesn't see the defender that's behind waiting to intercept that pass. He tries to have one of those second reaction plays that he's become known for, and it ends up leading to a turnover, and the Bills are able to close out that game. So you give credit where credit is due. Von Miller is a game wrecker, and I said this about Kayvon Thibodeau from the New York Giants and the forced fumble that he had against the Ravens to close out their game, but pass rushers are like closers in baseball. Like if you have one of those guys and your team has a lead, you can salt it away by fourth quarter pass rush, being able to get the opposing quarterback on the ground and create those negative plays in hopes of it leading to a turnover like we saw in Arrowhead yesterday. I think if they played that game a best of seven, Buffalo wins five or six of the seven. Um, I don't think, Chris, you tell me, uh, Chris Canty, tell me if you disagree with this. I don't think Kansas City's defense can play a better game than they played yesterday. To have Buffalo where they were three points through the first 29 minutes of the game, um, they kept them out of the end zone pretty much the entire day, and in all, hold Buffalo to 24 points after what we saw last year. I don't think you can ask more of Kansas City's defense, and in fact, if that game in the AFC Championship is played in Orchard Park, where they don't have the advantage or the home field advantage, which means the noise difference and, and all the other things that come with that from um, fr- from an offensive versus defensive standpoint, the snap count and all that sort of thing. Um, I think Buffalo, this is terrible English. I think Buffalo is more better than Kansas City than they looked yesterday. Um, and I think if they play each other again in the AFC Championship, Chris Canty, I think Buffalo wins more easily than they did yesterday. What do you think? Well, I, I disagree with it from this standpoint. The Chiefs were missing a lot of guys in the secondary yesterday. Rashad Fenton was out. Of, Rashad Fenton was, you know, being banged up as a problem. You saw that Justin Reed missed some time in yesterday's game. That's a problem. Trent McDuffie hasn't been in the lineup. So I think th- this will be a different Chiefs secondary once we get to, you know, the rematch that we expect to see in the postseason. That being said, I thought it was an outstanding game plan by Spags. And to your point, I don't know that you can do much more to limit the Buffalo Bills offense. Holding them to 24 points is exceptional. Um, and so I, I think what we have to try to try to project with Kansas City is how much improvement can we see Pat Mahomes make with those receivers, that new core of players that he has? How much improvement can Kansas City make with the running game to give that offense some balance? Because that's how you're going to ultimately have to end up beating Buffalo. It's not just about what your defense does, but it's about your offense being able to control time of possession and dictate the complexion of the game. Yesterday, Buffalo held the ball for 31 and a half minutes. That's not exactly what you're looking for if you're Andy Reid uh, and, and you're Steve Spagnola. So 
That, to me, is what's going to have to be the difference. I thought Buffalo did a good job of being able to control the game, even though they had a couple of early miscues. There are so many podcasts out right now, and it takes a team of people to bring them together. Whether you're hiring for a podcast or for your growing business, one place makes it easy, ZipRecruiter. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. All right, let's hit some of these games quickly. The Patriots yesterday, a 38-15 to win over the Browns. And two things. Number one, is it a foregone conclusion that Mac Jones is the guy considering Bailey Zappi goes out and throws for 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns? And secondly, there are wide open receivers all over the place for the New England Patriots yesterday. I don't know what was going on with the Browns defense, Greeny, but that was a complete mess from Cleveland. Yeah, the Browns just aren't very good, is I think what we're finding out. I know they have some injuries on the defensive side, but they're just not that good, and they're going to get, I don't know exactly what they're going to get when they get Deshaun Watson back. Eventually they'll be getting one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, so eventually they'll be really good, but I don't think this is the year for them. And the other, but my primary takeaway from this game, Chris Canty, is that rumors of the demise of Bill Belichick seem to have been greatly exaggerated. He may have a quarterback controversy there. I don't think he's a afraid of that at all. Um, Lord knows he had one once upon a time with Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe, and that worked out pretty well. They can run the ball. They can play defense. The Patriots are a team that are going to be in it. They're not great, but they're going to be in it the entire season. Yeah, there's no question about it. The Patriots aren't going away, Greeny. It's just one of those teams that's always going to be looming in that AFC East. And again, that's a division that overnight has become really, really interesting with what we've seen from the New York Jets of late and what we think the Miami Dolphins could be once two is back in the lineup. So, a lot of competition in that division. Going to be interesting to see what happens down the stretch. The Vikings are the 5-1 and one team that nobody is talking about. 24-16 over the Dolphins. And I think what we learned yesterday is you don't look like a genius if you're Mike McDaniel when your offensive line is as banged up as it was. Two tackles out yesterday. Teron Armstead was out. And as a result, you get big penalties in big situations from backups. And look... He has lost his quarterback in each of the last three games. Yep. The, the starting quarterback, and we all saw how horrible it was when the thing with Tua happened on that Thursday night. But in that game, he loses his starting quarterback. They have to make alternate plans. The next game, he's starting Teddy Bridgewater. He gets knocked out for the game on the first series. And then yesterday, he loses the kid who's starting. Uh, and, and, and I, who I thought against the Jets looked like pretty good, actually, considering yep. the circumstances. And who knows what he would have done with a week yesterday. So I'm not, I don't think it's fair to put this one on McDaniel. I, the Dolphins are good when they get Tua back healthy, which could be as soon as this week. Is that what I'm doing? Am I hearing mm-hmm. that right? Yep. yep. Um, Chris, it goes back to what you just said, Chris Canty, a moment ago. Every team in that division, the Bills are the best team in the NFL, and the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots, I think, are all playoff contenders. No question about it, but here's the thing about yesterday's game against the Vikings. The Miami Dolphins aren't good enough to overcome 10 penalties for 97 yards and losing the turnover battle 3-0. That, that you, you're just not going to be able to get that done. And a couple of those turnovers came by targeting Jalen Waddle. One was Jalen Waddle letting the ball go through his hands, ends up being an interception. And then the other one, Jalen Waddle fumbled. So those plays can't happen for a guy that you're going to rely on and you're going to try to feed the football to, especially when you're working with a backup quarterback. Speaking of injuries, the 49ers are just getting hammered by them right now. And the Falcons, 
the Falcons are three and three, and they kind of outnired the Niners yesterday with Marcus Mariota and the way he ran the football. It's kind of what they wanted to do with Trey Lance. And let's not overlook the fact that the, the Falcons got screwed last week, yeah. uh, and on that call against Grady Jarrett, or they're going to get the ball back, and they may have beaten Tampa. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, Chris Canty, but the Falcons are a legit threat to win that division. I. I, I this, it is the most surprising thing that has happened. Carolina is abjectly awful. New Orleans, I do not think, has a legit chance of doing anything this year. If anyone is going to make Tampa Tom sweat in the NFC South, I, at this point, I think it's going to be Atlanta, and I wouldn't put it past them to make it somewhat interesting. Yeah, I mean, credit to Atlanta. They were overwhelmingly the more physical team in yesterday's game, but can any of you guys tell me who played defense for the San Francisco 49ers yesterday? Yeah, no, no they're kidding. All hurt. Yeah, they're yeah, all yeah hurt. there's no everybody was hurt. Nikki Bosa was hurt, Ken Law was hurt. Ward. I mean, Mosley's out with the ACL like yep. they, Eric Armstead like there were so many guys that were missing. So, I don't know if we can even count that as the real 49ers, but we do have to count the loss and that's why we give credit to the Atlanta Falcons for going out there and not beating themselves, but the story of that game 40 rush attempts for 168 yards. That was the difference. They controlled the game from the opening kickoff. All right, this Monday Night Football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. So, we will get uh, in the last minute here the pick of each of us for the Monday Night game, which, of course, is the Broncos at the three and two Chargers tonight. What's the number? Do you have a spread on that game? I, I, we'll four find and a half. Chargers laying four and a half. Chargers laying four and a half. I like the Chargers, so you should take the money and run, bet on the Broncos. I have not seen anything, Chris Canty, from Russell Wilson that offense that suggests to me it's going to get better anytime soon. I love the Chargers in this game. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Greed. Gee, I, I can't trust the Denver Broncos because I don't trust the way the quarterback's playing and I don't trust the head coach. So that's the reality of where Denver is right now. And there's a lot of show and prove for that franchise, especially when it comes to situational football, third downs and in the red zone. Look, the Chargers have had their problems with injuries as well, but this is a game tonight that if they lose, my Lord, that is an absolute mess. Once again, our Monday Night Preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.